this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for a geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Molinax and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch all my favorite animated shows. In this episode, when a prehistoric beast snatches Mabel's beloved pig Waddles, the Pines family must journey to a land trapped in time to rescue him. We're talking about Grouty Falls Lamb for Swine this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I Good. like dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs and my girl and you don't even know. Wait, did I grab my journal? Okay, I did I grab my journal? <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't realize I, I thought I forgot my journal number three. I love dinosaurs too. Dinosaurs are the best. Dinosaurs, like you go into a museum and you're just like, well, look at the dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. I, yeah. <laughs> Hope has a secret love of dinosaurs. She thinks they're really cool. I can't name them up past like Stegosaurus and T-Rex. I just think they look cool and they're magical. Yay, dinos. And pterodactyls. Pterodactyl gross. I just like that they got the weird googly, like, well, not that like they got them right, but I just like the way they gave them just sort of goofy googly eyes. I mean, nobody was alive back then, Chris. We don't know how it's pronounced or what their eyes look like. No, but I think they know. I think they know sort of, but yeah, it was. No, yeah. I'm just joking because you said that in the episode. <laughs> Actually, we don't know how it's pronounced. Nobody was alive back then. You having a good week so far? So far, so good. I'm having a good week too. I'm getting ready for. Well, this will, by the time this is out, it'll be like a month ago. So, a month ago, as of this week, I'm getting ready for Force Fest, which is a Star Wars thing. So, uh, check, I guess, yeah, I plan on, like, posting it on Geeky Girl Experience, so you can check the website and see all my Force Fest stuff, so very excited about that. Well, you want to get into this one? I'm ready. This is one of my favorites. What'd you think of it? You were right. This did do something that I was waiting to happen. And is it stands on the journey? On the adventure? Yeah. Yeah, and I almost said Grunkle Rex, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Grunkle, Grunkle Stan is is fully in this adventure, and it's sort of a halfway because this one isn't supernatural. It's just dinosaurs that live underground. It's not gnomes or, you know, magical creatures or something. I mean, he does say they're just big lizards. Get off my back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought you would like that about this episode because that's... To me, like, uh, this is this is the first Stan episode, the first, like, really big Stan episode where he's involved with the kids. And, oh, well, we'll get to it, because that's actually my favorite thing about the episode. <laughs> so, you ready? I'm ready. The Lamb Before Swine is the 18th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on July 28th, 2013. It seems like we just started doing this. We've done 18, we're on 18 episodes already. I know. We're almost up with season one. We, uh, we, there's only two more episodes after this. And then we'll be done with season one. We really booked through those, haven't we? It doesn't feel like 18 weeks. <laughs> it was written by Tim McKeon and Alex Hirsch. It was written, the director was John Aoshima, and the storyboard artists were Matt Donner, Eric Fountain, and Alonzo Ramirez Ramos. Some extra information for you Bobby Rinzabi, the telemarketer, not the, it is a telemarketer, right? That's what it's called. Telemarketer is on the phone. Yeah. It's a salesperson. Is voiced by Justin Roiland, who is, of course, the voice of Blendon Blandon and, of course, Rick and Morty and Rick and Morty. The episode's title is reference to a Don Bluth movie, The Lamb Before Time, which was about a bunch of talking dinosaurs and made many children, including myself, cry their eyes out. You know the scene I'm talking about if you've seen the movie. I do not because I have not. <sighs> it's wonderful. I, I haven't seen it as an adult, but I remember Does as a child. Does it involve meteors? No, 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 no. Okay, good. <laughs> but there's there's a really tragic scene of, like, Littlefoot watching his grandfather die and, like, laying beside his dead body. And it's just like... <laughs> and he's just like, take care of yourself, Littlefoot. And he's just this, like... I don't know what they're called. The, the ones with the very long necks and the very long tails with, like, the those were brontosaurus. They're all mm-hmm. brontosaurus. And Littlefoot is just, like, the size of, like, a dog. And his his... 
grandfather is this ginormous brontosaurus like wrapped around him. He's just like, take care. And like Littlefoot's curled up in his in his footprint crying. <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, Land Before Time, man. Serious business. And it's not spoilers. The movie's been out for like 30 years. Well, this episode luckily didn't get that heavy, man. It potentially got heavy. There, there was poten- potentially a lot of death in this. Actually, there was probably... I would hope the gory. I would hope it's going to be the goriest death we'll see on this children's cartoon. Anyway, moving on. The photo Dipper takes of the pterodactyl is the same photo from the opening titles. Originally, in earlier scripts, Grunkle Stan was going to intentionally get Waddles caught by the pterodactyl, but this idea was scrapped for making Stan seem too unsympathetic. This isn't a. Oh, and this last one is just funny. So, this isn't extra information. Uh, it's just a funny thing about the fandom at the time. I've been really enjoying reading Bry Kaiser's episode reviews of Gravity Falls because they have segments about what was happening at the time during the fandom. So, I really enjoy reading those. And they were talking about that this episode led to the rise of Hunkle Stan. Hunkle. Like, I, I like, oh, look at that hunk. Hunkle Stan. Which is pretty much everyone thirsting for hunky Grunkle Stan. And Vry wrote, Yes, the internet found itself suddenly quite taken with Stan Pines. Happy to depict him as sort of a gruff, too old for this shit, former tough guy who's quite capable of coming out of retirement to break a few faces. I love Uncle Stan! (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Stan because, okay, so I almost noted this, that Stan gets a slight, like, tweak in season two. Um, They take away kind of his jowls, so he's not quite so jowly. And they take also, like, he doesn't have as many shots where you, like, see him, like, with the belly and stuff like that. He doesn't have as many of those. So they, like, slightly hunk up Grinkle Stan in season two. Action hero him. You know, just make him not, like, so, like, those old man tropes. Like, like they make his, his face a little bit more leaner, so it's less jowly. And uh, Vry was actually joking. They're like, in season two, one summer with these children, make him 20 years younger. <laughs> Hope makes Chris watch cartoons is split into different parts. Part one, we'll talk about the story themes and character. Part two, we'll read from Dipper's journal entry. Part three is Chris's speculation and theories corner. Part four will be our cipher corner and connections to previous episodes. So, Chris, what Jimmy your jams? What was your favorite part of the episode? Um, I like the line with the baby carrier, and they're like, "Will it carry a pig?" It's made for pigs. It does work for pigs, stupid. <laughs> I just love that the opening because that's actually one of my notes is that is just the. Are you sick of constantly dropping your baby? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Radzabi is a great character. I, I like when he calls Waddles Woggles. <laughs> and there's a band called the Woggles, and I wonder if any, somebody in the show wasn't a fan of the Woggles. And and if you're kind of a weirdo into weirdo stuff, you might like the Woggles. So I wonder if that was a little, like, left-handed tribute to the Woggles. And the most horrifying thing that's happened yet is a throwaway gag in here when seuss just crushes like squashes a fairy into a bloody splat i know murder murder of a magical creature just blotted out i I think that's the darkest moment there's some there's some other dark stuff in this one too i don't i don't know like Old man McGucket murdering a newborn baby dinosaur by eating his way out of it. <laughs> that's, that's, well, well, my first note I wrote was, baby kills McGuckin. And then I'm like, oh no, McGuckin kills baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, a, almost like a double murder. It was almost like, oh my God, that baby killed McGuckin. But then, it, and, and that's kind of horrible because people haven't just gotten like killed off like that in this. And then it's like, <laughs> nope, it's even more horrible. It's 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 murder and then it's revenge. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about uh probably some of the most endangered species ever. And it's one of those like lines because it's right there at the end of the episode that you're just like, oh, the McGuck gets okay and that funny, and then you think and you're like, wait, the baby ate it. Oh god, McGuck, <laughs> you killing a baby. <laughs> It's definitely one of those, like, jokes that, like, the kids won't get it until they're, like, 10 years older. And then they'll be like, my God, I had a baby dinosaur. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a kind of a thing. Like, that's how Seuss killed the Halloween trickster or the Summerween trickster. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. That was similarly dark. At least it was a supernatural character. Not something that's highly endangered. And a lot like a living being where that guy was just sort of like, that's sort of like the way to send him back to hell. This is just killing a baby. And, and, you know, it made the trickster happy because the trickster just wanted to be eaten and have people love how he tastes. And Zeus was like, true. yeah, I guess you're fine. So, you know, it, it was a death to fulfill his purpose. Yes. My favorite parts, this is just minor, I always just love the phrase, bros before dinos. Bros before dinos! <laughs> Which also is like, I mean, like short for bros, well, it's a bros, bros before, before hoes. Which but is just, like a rude, rude phrase to bring. But they've done that a couple times on this show, you know, yeah. just hinted at ruder phrases or or sayings or something like that. But I love Bros Before Dinos. But really, my favorite part of the episode is the fact that Stan's involved. It's what makes this episode one of my personal favorites, because I remember watching Gravity Falls for the first time. And when I was like, oh, OK, Waddle's got taken. They're about to go away on an adventure. And they drag Stan along. And it completely changes the dynamic of the episode. It makes it work so well. And like that, that is my favorite thing. To well, do. he's forced into it by his own actions and conscience. And the children. Mabel basically acts as his Jiminy Cricket in this as his conscience. Oh, you know. we should get into it. That leads right into my stand-up notes. All right. So all season long, like, they've been slowly softening up Stan around the kids. And it finally gets to culminate in this episode with him going out on the adventure with them. What makes this, to me, like, such a great Stan episode is he is really the driving factor the whole way through. It's his fault that Waddles is taken in the first place. He's the one that gets caught in the lie. He's the one that has to make it up to Mabel. And everything is around his character journey that he's had, especially with Mabel. Like, that's the character that he's really bonded with the most over the course of the season. And uh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, it opens up a whole bunch of more potentials for stories, too. I I think it it just was an eventuality because I'm sure Stan figures into the mystery slash mythology of of whatever's going on there. Now, you were saying, like, this Hadit finally brought Stan into the story for the first time, like, on the adventure. Like, well, what do you think of how that changes the story? Well, because before Stan just sort of made it into this sort of threes company uh, sort of situation or thing where it's like the kids have the crazy adventures all outside of his knowledge. And there never was, like, in a lot of shows like this, it was like the kids would be sneaking around and Stan would be like, keep out of trouble or whatever, you know, and they would be like, we can't tell Stan that we found it. But it's never really mentioned in here. It's never never really, like, it's not like they feel seem like they feel like they have to keep their adventure secret from Stan. But they also would never go like, Stan, why are there gnomes in the woods? Yeah, and in the times <laughs> you ever notice the gnomes in the woods, and the and, times and, that they have brought it up, um, Stan has played it off. Like just, we just, we saw we saw that in Boss Mabel when Dipper is just like, I've seen real monsters, and Stan is like, Oh, this again. Yep, and just plays it off. But it's it's weird. So it's always been something. I would I would write off to bad writing, but like you know, we don't you know we're only seeing the adventure. You know, we don't know if they were sitting around t- watching TV and he said, "Hey, Stan, what's up with the the gnomes?" And he's just like, "Yeah, I don't ask about the gnomes or whatever." It just always seemed weird to me, and now they don't have to worry about that with the story. And I imagine they're planning on going places where you know we start learning things about Stan. Okay. I mean, we 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 le- like he had like they started this one out with this sort of exaggerated story of how he he fought the pterodactyl and you know <laughs> did his best and stuff, and it just was like oh listen to Stan's bullshit story and stuff like that. But then I noticed when they had super hulked out Stan from the story, you know, and he rips his shirt off and he's all just a sort of exaggerated character. It's not really that big of an exaggeration of his frame. And then when he starts fighting, you go, oh, okay, Stan actually, you know, Stan Stan can fight. He's just old and is just like, I'm too old for this shit, you know. But, like, if he's got to fight a pterodactyl on his ball hanging onto its neck, he'll do it. 
Which means he's probably done similar things <laughs> before, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think we really talked about like the the fact that he wears a mason, you know, a mason's fez, a shriner fez, like a masonic hat headpiece just sort of like says, you know, he's some sort of he's privy to some sort of hidden knowledge or secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. I love that dream sequence of him lying and like hulking out and to fight the, like the fate uh, pterodactyl. And it's just, I love the whole thing. Like, it starts off with, like, the waddles being, like, in this glowing, like, like beautiful light. And mm-hmm. then it just, the color just shifts with the pterodactyl coming in the door. <laughs> and the whole fight scene. Um, I love that dream sequence. But I also love, in the lead up to it, he tries to pay waddles. <laughs> yeah, he just, he, he just attaches some money to him. Here you go. We do know Waddles likes to eat money, so <laughs> that's a pretty good bribe. That's true, yeah, actually. You know, I, I think it's interesting because Mabel has a pig, and we talk, We kind of slightly mentioned this, I think you mentioned this when we had his intro in the time-traveling pig, about what's going to happen when they go back to California and have to deal with the pig and everything. But I like that they have an episode of, like, what does having a pet pig in the house mean at least for right now. And I like that we see that Waddles isn't just a natural fit as like a cat or a dog or something. He is a pig. He likes to eat things. He causes trouble. So I do like, I'm not saying that Waddles has like a character arc in this episode or anything, but he's a pig and we get to see how he interacts with the other people, especially Stan. Cause like Stan has to put up with a pig now in his house. And There was no moment of just them kind of asking if they can keep Waddles. It was just this assumption of like, this is my pig now. Everything is different. Here we go. And so I do like that there is conflict of... Because Waddles is... I don't want to say the mascot, but he's kind of like the mascot. But there is like some conflict that he doesn't fully fit in easily. And he does cause trouble, which is what, you know, the inciting incident of Stan shoving him outside. I mean, pets. (laughs) Pets yeah. are always doing something like we've got towels wrapped around our uh, banister poles now so the cat doesn't shred them. There's oh. little, little, little tiny pieces of flaked off wood at the bottom of all our banisters right now. Oh, you need the to get tiniest, more tiniest, wispiest. They look like the wispiest little toothpicks you'd ever see. <laughs> like, gotta get more cat trees. Yeah. Or some like those scratch cat cat, cat posts just to give her we got other options. Two, we got two of them. She does not care. Have you gotten the ones that like lay on the ground that are just like cardboard and you can scratch up? Yes, we do. Ah, those are good. Yeah, she just sits on it. <laughs> <laughs> She'll learn. She'll learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss yeah. Bernice is still a baby and learning. He's a cute girl, so. But I, I like this story too because he even Stan even gets to bond with Waddles of all things. Like, and it's not like super duper bonding, but at least recognizing. That Waddles is so important to Mabel. And well, Waddles does the international, like, universal animal saying, like, hey, I like you line. And that's where they just put their, where they'll take one of their paws and put it on you. Yeah. They give I you love- a paw. You know, do- dogs yeah. will do that. Cats will do that. I don't know. I guess pigs will do that, too. <laughs> I will say that D. Bradley Baker acted the crap out of Waddles this week. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> He was also the pterodactyl in this episode, too. Uh, so. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, while you're here recording the pig, why don't you do a little uh, pterodactyl, too? I mean, he's a he's a renowned creature voice actor. He he does creatures all the time. You, It's just so funny because we just started season seven at Clone Wars, and we were just recording the first episode last night, and we were talking about, like, Rex having all these emotional scenes, and Dee Bradley Baker was, like, acting the crap out of him, and then we come the next day talking about Dee Bradley Baker as a pig. <laughs> Yeah, he's going. And, <laughs> and then the pterodactyls are like. Bip, 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 bip. We love you, Dee Bradley Baker. Come on the show. <laughs> and so a little bit about like Stan and Mabel in this one. To me, it's like you said, like she was his Gemini Cricket. And I think what really, really sells this is Mabel's faith and love and her believing in Stan to the point that it makes Stan guilty. Like, because she takes his word for it. She's like, oh, you fought so hard to protect him. And, like, right away you can just see that whittling into Stan's heart. 
And it really shows how far he, he's come too. Like he's not this gruff guy. Like they've wormed his way, their way into his heart and into his lives. And you see that when he's talking to Waddles, he's like, "I can live without my niece making me laugh and telling me jokes." And uh. and it shows how like, how much he's changed. I don't know if Stan would have done that 18 episodes ago. He probably would have, but it would have taken more work. <laughs> And it probably he's, taken... he's, soft, he's softened up by now, you know, he's he's thoroughly softened up. He was always going to do the right thing, but now he's just like, yeah, he's he's I mean, I think maybe like a little bit symbolically him joining in the invent- adventures is him giving up a little bit, you know, giving up a bit of his like, I don't want to say manliness because he's just still rough like... exterior. Yeah. Yeah. He can I mean, be he's... more of a human around around the kids. Yeah, I mean, he still punches a pterodactyl, which is awesome. Yeah. By the way, that's my last stand note is, Stan fighting a d- pterodactyl is amazing! <laughs> and I like after, like, it falls and he climbs up there and he, like, waves Waddle's little hoof, just like, hi! And then, like, Mabel's wearing Stan's fez and she looks so cute and, like, looking up at him, like, so much emotion and they have that moment. I'm just like, they love their family. Look, he loves his niece and she loves her uncle and they made up and Waddles is there. And I also like, you know, the Waddles riding around in the baby carrier. <laughs> the tummy wummy, what was it? Tummy wummy bumper buddy or something. <laughs> Feel your pig's heart close to yours. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else about Stan? Not really. The only other thing I had about Mabel is I like that everyone rallies around her in this episode. Because if Dipper's the brains of this series, Mabel is the emotion. She's the heart of the show. So if she is upset or angry or sad, then nobody is happy until it's made right again. So I do like that moment where, like, Dipper's just like, no one takes my sister's pig. And Seuss is like, yeah, we're going to get that pig back. And Stan's like, why should we? And they glare him down. He's like, let's get Woggles. And him too. (laughs) So I I like that they all rallied around him. And it just really shows the strength of the family unit, too. Meanwhile, Dipper and Seuss are fighting. Yeah. What did you think about the B-plot? It's okay. It's that's a that's a dynamic that happened, and like I I think it it could have like the like it had a little bit more depth than it than it could have because like I like that Seuss like didn't just we always say he's the easygoing sort of simple Zen character, and like usually when someone's mean to one of those characters, they're just like oh and get like sad. Seuss is just like hey man, <laughs> you know he gives him a little little bit of pushback. But mostly, I think it was an excuse to just have a bunch of gags of Seuss messing up. The, yeah. Uh, a, whole, a whole sequence of sorry dudes. The B-plot's probably my least favorite part of this episode. And I don't think it's anything wrong, per se. I, it needed more build-up, like, throughout the rest of the It's pretty basic, season. yeah. Like, because the thing is, is there really are, as we've been going through this with a fine-tooth comb, there's really not a lot of moments where Seuss seuses things up. I mean, even when I like when he said the line like, oh, I really seussed this up back in the episode Little Dipper, it wasn't his fault that he messed up. It was Gideon. Gideon had, you know, all pretty much attacked him with a flashlight and it wasn't Seuss's fault. So he didn't actually seuss up anything. I think this plot could have really worked if they had had a few little instances earlier in the season of him messing things up. Well, I think it should have been more about like instead of Seuss being prone to messing things up dipper being just like a grumpy teen and just noticing seuss messing up and yeah you know he's it's 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 like a total teenager you know your friend is getting on your nerves or and you know so he's just like oh all he does is mess everything up so that's all that's all you see are all the scenes of him messing up but you don't see the scenes of him doing good stuff so it's more like a, it's more about dipper i think than it is about seuss you yeah because Seuss isn't doing anything wrong. He's and just like, being himself, yeah. The thing that made me kind of realize that they should have spent more time building up to this moment is they have an entire sequence of Seuss messing stuff up, like breaking a window and killing a fairy and stuff like that, 
which we haven't seen that from Seuss up until this moment. So they had to create an entire sequence just to make the B plot yeah. work. No, they sort of set up Mabel as being the one who always like sort of throws a monkey wrench in things. It's an okay B plot. I just without the build up, yeah. it feels just kind of yeah. out of left field because Seuss hasn't. Seuss is the most reliable person in this group, and we've established that already. Like he's the one that will take care of the shack. He's the one that fixes stuff for the kids and for Mister Pines. Like Miss, like Stan's not the most reliable person, and the kids are kids. Like, Seuss is the glue. To me, like, the B-plot didn't quite work because it felt a little forced. It was almost un- it was almost like they just figured they had to have a B-plot. They could have gotten away without it. There was enough going on in this yeah. episode. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, like, getting the pterodactyl. And, like, maybe Mabel came... Because, they like, when he was making the film... When he was making the film, uh, 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 they were in their bedroom. So maybe it was Mabel that came in and Susan Dipper were like, oh, no, our film. Right, like, right. The entire plot could have still happened. And, um, and here's another thing about that is just as somebody who's worked in a dark room. Yeah, he ruined his picture, but he didn't ruin the negative. The negative's that, already the negative's already developed. You just go run off another picture. That's all. <laughs> that's, uh, that is everyone's like plot hole of this episode <laughs> oh is it yeah yeah like that's the one thing that everybody points out about this episode is dipper could have made more. I've, I've actually used a dark room before so i was just like yeah i've done i've had that happen to me you just run out you just ruined a piece of paper that's all i know that's why it's funny maybe it was his first time and he didn't know yeah he just didn't know yeah he was googling it and he was he just, was like, just oh. being oversensitive about seuss and being over dramatic yeah. You ruined everything. So stupid. And you, and you ate all the nachos. <laughs> all I have left are little notes. Did you have any other big notes for the entirety of the episode? No. What did you think about McGucket tagging along on this one? He's just sort of... They they love that character. And he's just sort of there to be the like... It's almost like since Gr- Stan is... is mellowing out a little bit we got mcguckin to be just kind of like except he's more so he's just like shock shockingly like crazy you know he's always saying something just like completely inappropriate and crazy he kissed a raccoon he's telling them how they he, he got his head real close to a raccoon and kissed it <laughs> but um yeah, I, 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 I kind of wish that they would put some of the more the other side characters in there instead of as much McGucket, McGucket. But I like him. Oh, wait, that's that's interesting. What side characters would you like to go along on a journey? Any let's, of them. Any of them. There's a whole bunch of them that we've seen and hardly ever seen as much as we've seen a McGucket. You know, like the lo- Wendy's parents. Anybody? We got we got get him guy. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> Anybody in the town. I guess the sheriff, the sheriff and the deputy get a good amount of uh, airtime. And, and I do like their little opening of them like sitting together and they're doing little cross mazes. And he's just like, every day with you is a treasure. And then the pterodactyl steals their thing. And then they're like, we have a convertible. <laughs> I love them. Yep. I do like whenever we see the teenagers. Um, like the rest of Wendy's friends too. I, I like the group of the teenagers. So we've gotten some Robbie, especially last week with Robbie and Wendy breaking up and Robbie's a douche. But I do like the other t- teenagers group, like Tambry and Thompson and all of them. I had to think about their names. I'm like, the teenagers. <laughs> I All I have are just kind of little notes to round it off. I do like the opening sequence with Mabel dancing with Robble, Wobbles. Wobbles! <laughs> with Waddles. To me, that's super relatable because I live with two people who also now work from home. So when I have that moment of I'm home by myself and nobody else is around, I'm just like, yes, put on music, dance, plot things, acting is out, outline shit, the house is mine. Like, that's a treasured moment in my life. So when she's just like, yes, the house is ours now, Waddle, like, I feel that when I get the house by myself, I'm just like, yes. And I'm do- just doing the whole breakfast club, like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do like the baby pterodactyl. I think it's cute. And then it died. Horribly. Horribly. Absolutely. Um, the only thing and I McGuckin have... And McGuckin had spoons, so he ate his way out with spoons. 
Well, the dinosaur had eaten his spoons. Uh, he was talking about that. He was like, I was here for my wild hoot nanny, and then a big old flying beast came along and ate my spoons. Yeah. So he was just, you know, it was revenge. They took his spoons, so he had to fight back. The only other note I have, which I always thought that was very interesting, is the setting of the church. And the reason I thought this was interesting is, unless a character is specifically religious, you don't always see churches in young adult media because a lot they they try to keep these things very secular. They don't want to like to have like this religious overtone. So I always religious or non-religious, they just sort of want to keep it. But you know, an old abandoned church is it's a cool location. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, it's not necessarily. It doesn't make. There could, like, if this was, like, a vampire story or something, it might have had a little more brought into it about being a church because they could have used a cross in it and, you know, it could have brought up that aspect of it. But I think, basically, it was just a creepy location of an old church. So, like, it doesn't really bring a religious aspect to it. Like, if they if they were at church on Sunday, if they were all sitting in church on Sunday, that would be... that would bring a religious aspect in it is stan religious are they religious or are they just for this reason or that but it was just this is just like this was just like a great creepy setting an old old falling down church in the in the woods and that's what i like about it is that yeah you don't normally it, it it makes it such a unique setting because of the fact that you normally i'm i'm trying to like scratch my brain of where else I've seen churches and like young adult media and unless like it's dealing with something that's like specifically like angels or demons or right. like you said vampires you don't really see church the only thing I could really think of was the show the reboot of one day at a time because the grandmother is really religious and but it's a character thing like so she goes to Sunday mass and there's an episode about them talking about religion and stuff but I'm just I'm scratching my head to think of a character who's not religious and they have a church as a setting, which I like that. It made it, it just made it different. It made it different compared to like other media because it's, mm-hmm. it's just something that you don't normally see. So I always, I always liked that location. Did you have anything else? That's all I really had. This is a fun one though. It's a yeah, good one. Yeah, it was. Do yeah. you see why this is one of my personal favorites? Yes, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I liked also, I, I thought there was a nice little touch in it just that I don't want to end without pointing out was uh you know with all the dinosaurs trapped in amber like they had a few shots in the beginning when dipper was uh shooting the trying to get the picture of the pterodactyl of uh you know mosquitoes and bugs caught in the sap and uh i thought that was a nice little bit of uh uh foreshadowing it was also I was I was waiting to see whether I almost put that in as a note and because I wanted to see whether or not you note it. It's also a nod to uh, a shot from Jurassic Park. Sure, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, that's where they get the DNA for the dinosaurs, mosquitoes, for and stuff. Bugs and amber. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I almost I've noted. I've got a few. I've got a few mosquitoes in amber. I don't think they have any blood in their dinosaur blood in their uh, abdomen though. Tree sap, man. Tree sap, and now we know that peanut butter and tree sap can preserve things. Thank you, <laughs> President Trimbley. <laughs> Quentin Trimbley. Well, if you don't have anything else, you ready to hear from the journal? Yes, I am. So this is actually a little bit of a longer entry about the dinosaurs. So this is from journal number three. This is from Dipper's point of view. Um, well, I, I just have to say, you got to make a long entry for the dinosaurs in it because the age group that this show is set for, that's the dinosaur demographic right there. So this was probably like a really popular show with like the kids. Yeah. With them uh, kids. This this entry spans four days. So <laughs> here we go. While hunting for Mabel's pig, we found something real crazy but true. I saw this all with my own eyes. A dinosaur cavern. Real-life dinosaurs preserved for millions of years in tree sap. They may escape if the temperature rises. This is a stegosaurus. Mabel tried to take a selfie with this one, but or got stuck in the sap. Miter bones. I guess we know why the mine was abandoned years ago. There's also a T-Rex. Just as cool as I imagined. May want to sick this guy on Pacifica if she gives us trouble again. And then he has a picture of, like, a really weirdly draw- drawn one. And it says, 
Never seen this one in the history books. Whoever sees the dinosaur first gets to name it. Unfortunately, Sue saw it first, so Rad Dog Ceratops is now a thing, I guess. July 11th. Well, I guess I should have seen this coming. Grunkle Stan stole a dinosaur egg from the cavern. He's hoping to hatch it and make it into an attraction. I want to be mad at his messing with nature and all, but I'm actually kind of into it. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a pet baby dinosaur? But the heating lamps he's using to hatch the egg are taking forever. Tonight, Mabel and I are going to slip the egg under Stan while he sleeps. He's got this whole creepy old man humidity thing going on. July 12th. The egg hatched! We have a baby dinosaur! I'm about to butcher this. I'm so sorry. I think it's a Compsognathus. Compsognathus. They grow no bigger than a chicken, and they're supposed to be pretty smart for. Uh, they're supposed to be pretty smart as far as dinosaurs go. One thing for sure, Compy sure loves his mama Stan. Little guy has been following Stan around everywhere he goes. Waddle has taken to hiding in Mabel's bed, which Mabel actually loves because she can make constant pigs in a blanket jokes. July fourteenth. Turns out, Compy's a bit too much like his mama Stan. He picks pockets of all the tourists with his little beak and then he scares them away with a squawk that I swear sounds like no refunds. All of this would be fine with Stan if the little thief would share his ill-gotten gains. But he's gathered all the loot into a pile and sits on top of it like a dragon with a hoard of gold, hissing at anyone who comes near. July 15th. It took a lot of effort, but we were finally able to catch Compy. Stan tried to lure him into a cage with his gold watch. But it was like the dino could almost smell the fake gold plating. Stan had to sweeten the pot with a couple of credit cards and a $20 bill before Compy would bite. We ended up giving him to Farmer Sprout. He's very comfortable with handling unusual livestock, which we'll see more of that when we get into the shorts in a few episodes. Uh. Hope, hope he keeps his valuables in a good, strong safe. So that is the episode, the, the adventures of them stealing... A dinosaur egg, and for four days having a pet dinosaur. Well, they had compies in um, Jurassic Park. They were those little tiny guys that traveled in a pack and would uh, look cute, but would uh, swarm up on people and get them. Yep, yep. <laughs> One by itself is probably cute, but like twenty of them would is horrible. In the book, they're what they're what got the old the old guy. <laughs> the old grandpa died in the book, and the compies got him. Oh. It was a little darker than the movie, yes. I still have never to this day seen Jurassic Park. It's good. I know it is. I've always wanted to see it. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never sat down and watched the entire thing. And it's like been on my to-do list forever. Maybe when we run out of um, Star Wars movies for J-Guys and Jedi, we should like look at other Lucasfilm stuff. Yeah, sure. I would totally be into that. Like, actually, George Lucas was the producer for Land Before Time, actually. Oh, I did I did not know that. Yeah, him and Steven Spielberg. They were the uh, benefactors oh. and producers of Land Before Time. So, there we go, everybody. We've learned a thing today. Well, time for my favorite part. Chris's theories and speculation corner. I think we're going to see that T-Rex because we were watching him slowly. <laughs> slowly slow first he was just a little claw but then like towards the end of the episode he had a couple hands out <laughs> yeah and i think we're gonna see that church again because they set it up like a land it looks like a landmark it looks like something that we want to remember that's all i got how i'm gonna throw this one out here so stan this was stan's first adventure and you've said that you think that you know stan has a bigger part in the story and stuff like that how do you think now, as we're reaching the end of season two, and, or season one, and we're going to be going into season two soon, what do you think that transition's going to look like? It's going to mean we're going to learn more about Stan. The other characters in this story, we've gotten a good idea who they are, you know? They've learned some important lessons and stuff, and it's Stan who's really just sort of the enigma in here, so... If we follow this precedent of Stan being included in the adventures, we're going to run into like probably like some some weird character, you know, some character in the woods that has history with him or something. You know, we're going to start. I, I, I think what 
is to be discovered with Stan is his past. So we're going to start seeing that. As they're out doing adventures more, he's going to be forced into letting on more and more of what he knows. He's probably going to have to get him out of situations using things he's learned in the past. Especially now that you know that he can fight. He can at least fight a dinosaur. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he was just like, okay, uh, guess it's time to fight this dinosaur. Whereas most people would be pooping their pants. So, and he's And he's been sort of set up as being all bluster, but I guess he's not all bluster. He's Uncle Stan. He's just old and tired. He's a Uncle. <gasps> oh my god, does that make Rex Uncle Rex now? He's always been Uncle Rex to you, I'm he, sure. Yeah, oh my gosh, Clone Wars is Uncle Rex and Rebels is Grunkle Rex. Uh, I have a new nickname for Rex. <laughs> Chris, remind me to bring this up next episode of Jake as a Jedi. <laughs> what if he gets a mohawk? He could be Punkle Rex. Punkle Rex. What if he get? What if he gets religion and he becomes Munkle Rex? <laughs> what if he falls in the water and becomes Dunkle Rex? What if he gets some seventies disco and he becomes Funkle Rex? Funkle Rex. Ah! Oh my God! I'm sure there's already a Funko Rex out what there. What if he makes a fallout shel- shel- shelter so then he's Bunkle Rex? Oh ho ho! Or he just buys a bunk bed. That too. And he shares it with like... Yeah, it's a lot less dark than a, than nuclear war. <laughs> Hope, remember to clip this out and send it to Chris so we can just attach this to an episode of Jacob and Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like going through the alphabet now. Like in my head. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> For our last part, we're going to the Cypher Corner and connections to previous episodes. So... Going back to the time-traveling pig, when Blendon Blandon is trying to enable his camouflage suit, it shows us three pictures. One was the arcade from Fight Fighters, the second one was Scuttlebutt Island from Legend of the Gobblewonker, and the third one, finally, was the dinosaurs stuck in tree sap from this episode. And... Yeah, yeah, I've been holding on to that one for a few episodes, so... And there's actually two ciphers in this episode. So, during Stan's fantasy sequence, where he is lying about fighting a dinosaur, where his shoulder tattoo normally is, instead it has the letters O-L-H-V. And once it's decoded by the Caesar cipher, it says, LIES. Oh. Did you ever notice that he has a shoulder tattoo? I did, but I didn't really, like, pay attention to it. And it okay. was a fantasy sequence, so I thought it was just like they were just like making him look like a marine. <laughs> no, it was actually uh, the uh, little thing that says lies to show that he's lying. So, and as always, there's a cryptogram at the end of the episode, and once it's deciphered, it reads, "It works for pigs." <laughs> <laughs> I love that one because it's like it's the number one, so it's just like number. Nine 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 number number. So it works for pigs. You know who also loves a huggy wuppy tummy bumper for pigs? And All you your can... patrons. All my patrons. Hi guys. So I just wanted to take a moment to say that you guys are the best, and I love you so much. So thank you to Kate, Brie, and Alex. Patrick, Lynn, Billy, Heather, Brian, and da 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 Gene. I now have a reason to do the Gene song here. <laughs> oh, you're always going to have an opportunity because I bring him up on Twitter. Yeah, I know, I know. So, well, um, that's all I had. So what's your final thoughts of the episode? I really liked it. I like that we're getting some... Uh some progress in the story you know with the story structure it's sort of, it's it sort of reminds me of clone wars and rebels on fast forward you know where where you sort of have a formulaic beginning and then you start making the stories more complicated and the characters more integrated so i like that it's going in that direction and we're going into the finale we have uh next week's episode and then the f- finale too so it makes sense that I, I almost kind of wish that, like, now that we're we're getting close to the end, I wish that Boy Crazy and Carpet Diem were switched. 
because I think that would actually be a more natural ramp up. Because Carpet Diem, which I can't talk about reasons why, but in the context of the show, like that's a very natural ramp up into Land Before Swine and then into the next two episodes. Where with Boy Crazy, like kind of right there between those two, it kind of puts a little pause on the ramp up of the yeah the, the, the stuff, you know, because yeah. But I mean, this is this is one of my personal favorite episodes. I love this episode. I, I was, I was, I've been waiting to get to this one because, as you know, as we've been talking, and you're just like, man, I want Stan in the story. I'm just like, just you wait, Honeywell, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually been really waiting to get to this one. And what really makes this episode work is Stan's on an adventure with the kids. It changes the entire dynamic yep. of the show, and it brings just something new to the table. I think you're really going to like going forward. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say next week. <laughs> I should hope so. I have a feeling if this sh- if this show uh, lagged off in the second season, we might not be watching it right now. So Yeah. I mean, I have a good was... feeling about that. <laughs> you know, I think you'll like season two because it actually takes a much darker tone. And I'm glad I don't have to do the um, uh, thing that all the people who are watching it as it came out did and have to wait forever for new episodes and anything it's all gonna be just uh, week by week for me it, yeah that's it's actually getting one to of, end <laughs> that, that's actually one of the things i'm very interested to see how especially after next week next week is a really big episode chris i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you now like next week is a really big episode but something is introduced in next week's episode which carries all the way to the finale and it makes me wonder how you just watching this week to week to week I don't want to say binging, but you're going through it much faster than I as a normal yeah. viewer did. And I'm wondering if certain things would would work versus me having, you know, like six months between episodes to stew on something and like to theorize and watch and, episodes over and, again and stuff and decipher stuff and yeah. like looking for clues and stuff. I'm, I'm just wondering if it would have the same impact. Um, that's something I'm really interested in, in seeing. So. Um, I will also be sending you a photo next week for your ciphers and theories corner because I want oh. you to, I want you to, like, it's, there's a thing that I want you to see and, like, talk about. So I will be setting that up. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. Where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our podcast website. You can sign up for RSS feeds there or at iTunes. You can also find the other uh, show that Hope and I do, J Guys and Jedi, where we've currently wrapped up Rebels and we are working our way through the seventh season of Clone Wars. It's so good, it's so good, it's so good, it's so good. We might be we might be close to being like oh we we might be well into it by the time this comes out. Yeah, we'll be Uh, about yeah, yeah. We're also on Facebook at Two True Freaks Podcast on Facebook, and there you can see all our episodes as we post them up. Or the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our yeah our cantina hangout spot. And we are also on Twitter, run by Gene Gene, the, the Patreon machine. machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, we were on the same page on that one this this time. Ch 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 ching Gene. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Where can they find you? Besides, right where they found you right now. Of course, this is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. You can see all my reviews and discussions and thought pieces and stuff like that. So yeah, I just wrapped up Owl House, and I'm planning a couple things. Like, Owl House is so good with so much lore, so I'm kind of scheming some, like, deep diving lore stuff on that one between seasons so we'll see what comes out of that um of course there is the patreon if you want to have your name shouted out in the show and if you want to get access to like behind the scenes content because me and chris have whole conversations that we have off recording and stuff that i like to put up on patreon so if you can hear us talk about all sorts of things over there check us out at patreon.com slash geeky girl experience i also have an etsy store at geeky girl experience where you can actually buy waddles merchandise yeah playing little keyboard you can find me at twitter at hope Molnix. of course we have j guys and jedi and i run the twitter for that at j guys and jedi yeah oh my gosh so you want to hear the title for next week's episode what is it dreamscapers Ooh. 
Have you ever seen Dreams Dreamscape? I wonder if it's a rip on the movie Dreamscape. I have not. Tell me about Dreamscape. Oh, it was um I wanna say Dennis um Quaid was in it. And it sort of fell but it was an eighties movie that sort of fell between the cracks. I went I loved it. I went to see it twice. I dragged Scott Gardner to the second viewing of it. And it was about a guy who's a psychic and he the government is training him to go into other people's dreams. It's it's the, like the early version of Inception, but it's way goofier and kind of and crazier and more fun. So they're teaching a bunch of bunch of people how to like, you know, get into people's dreams to to influence them or help them like he helps a little kid who has horrible nightmares, you know, by going in the dream and helping him fight his monsters and stuff. But then one of the fellow trainees is kind of a psycho and he finds out there's a government agency using him to go into the president's dream because you can kill someone in their dream and they'll have a heart attack in real life. So he has to save the president inside of his dreams. And the president is Eddie Albert from Green Acres. <laughs> Green Acres is the place to be. But the, the the dreams in it are really crazy, with like you know stair spiral staircases that go off and forever, and people turn into lizard. Pe- it's it's fun, fun, fun. I'll bet you it's on YouTube. I'll bet you could find it on YouTube and watch it. It's 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 a fun, goofy eighties movie. I'm gonna touch my nose. Touch my nose. I, I think that's going to be my code of I can't say anything. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I get, because I was uh, editing, I was editing, I think, Boss Mabel. And I kept saying, like, you kept saying all these things. I'm like, I'm just going to touch my nose. Touch my nose. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my thing of I can't say anything, but I will say I think you're going to enjoy next week's episode. Oh, excellent. That's all, all I can say. So we'll see you next week. Yay. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh my god, I really think you're going to love next week's episode. (laughs) Hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind-the-scenes content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening, I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!